hello, I'm RJ City, and you are listening to the Monster Cast. You're going to talk about Bela Lugosi. They're going to talk about Lon Chaney Jr. Be so sad, holding his hat, saying, please put me in this room and don't unlock the door. And you can't do any better than the Doll Brothers. Jack and Ryan, they're brothers, but they're also bros. What? Pardon? Wrestling. Oh, who the hell wants to talk about wrestling? These are horror movies. It's the deep genre. It's a smart genre. Fantastic actors. Fantastic cinematography. Wrestling is just sweating and fireworks and bouncy ropes. There's nothing. So how do you talk about that every week? All right. Let's see them try. Take it away, you crazy dolls. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful here. You're watching the Monster Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people. Check them out. Jake and Brian. Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What what was that? Your name is Jack and Ryan? Shut up, Jack and Ryan. Wrestling podcast? How fucking original. I guess I just I mean. You're welcome. Here's your host of the Monster Cast, the Straight Edge Monster Jack and Ryan. I had a champions review. Let's talk about it. Um, this obviously happened on Saturday in the afternoon in Saudi. Um, oh, let's see. Let's see. Where do I want to start with this? Um, okay. Let me go to my predictions here. Is this the one I beat Ryan on? This is the only one I beat Ryan on. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I went six and one. Ryan went five and two. Um, I got Oscar right. And Ryan did not. And I could have went undefeated if I would have just fucking picked Trish like I said I was going to. At the beginning of my goddamn rant on that fucking pick. And then changed my pick mid-talking about it to Becky like an idiot. Um, but anyway, I still won, so it's all good. Um, okay, let's talk about it. Let's just go through it. Fucking, uh, I don't remember the order they had the match. Oh, they had Seth and AJ first. Okay, so a lot of people made a big deal about Seth and AJ going on first. Then it came out just saying, people were saying, oh, well, he's doing a movie right now for Captain America, and then Becky was in the second match, so maybe they wanted to get them back. But then later on, Seth was in the fucking back with a promo. So that doesn't really line up. Um, no, it was not pre-taped. Uh, let's just talk about the Seth-AJ match quickly. This is another match, kind of like the Cole and Jericho match for me. I just didn't feel like they were clicking on this night. I... I think you texted me that, and I was like, I think I said that it, I didn't agree necessarily. I, I thought it felt fine. Um, no, I think I, it was just more the. I completely disagree with that. It did not feel fine for an AJ versus Seth match. I don't think so. That's why I had asked you. I was like, how long does jet lag last? Like, could it yeah. be possible that they're still jet lagged? Because something was definitely off in that match to me. I mean, like I said, they are they are wrestling. Their bodies think that it's fucking twelve o'clock in the afternoon. So it's obviously going to be a little bit different than when you're used to wrestling at night or whatever. But um, 
I mean, it didn't feel that. It didn't feel as flat as the Jericho Adam Cole thing to me. No, I, I agree with that. I no, one hundred percent agree with that one. Yes. I think the bigger issue with it was probably more. But I will say this to the Jericho Cole match, like you just said, mm-hmm. I would expect more out of the Seth AJ match, regardless, than I would the Cole and Jericho match. Uh. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that the the biggest problem with it is sort of the same problem that we have a, with a lot of matches where the outcome being so predictable makes it hard to get into it outside yeah, of looking yeah, for yeah, the yeah. ending spot. So yeah. you just kind of want to skip past all the, the lead-up bullshit, all the storytelling, whatever. I and find myself doing the, that more and more like with, the, with, how, uh, with how easy it is to predict, right? So... Yeah. I, it's not necessarily I wanted it to be Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. I just wanted you to build up somebody that actually made sense and not even have SmackDown involved so that I would actually think that Seth would have a chance to lose. So if it was Seth and Finn in the final, I probably would have been more invested in it. But if it's it was not like Seth that's... and Cody in the final, I would have been more invested in it. When you put the SmackDown thing in there and said SmackDown was going to be on one side and Raw was going to be on the other, I already knew fucking Raw was winning the side. It doesn't make any sense any other way. I, I will say that um, even with that being the case for other matches on the card, Ali and Gunther did a really good job of still being an engaging match with even when the conclusion was pretty much a foregone conclusion. 100% um, agree. They had a false finish that actually made me think that Ali was possibly going to win that fucking thing. Yeah, so there, there was definitely something here that didn't feel exactly right, but I still thought it was a good match. It's not like I thought it was like shit or anything. But that could have been because the fans were so fucking behind Ali too to make you think that. That also plays a part into it. They were very loud for that fucking match compared to yeah. the Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles match. Um, I mean, they were loud for know. Seth, don't get me wrong. They were loud yeah. for Seth, but they weren't really loud for AJ. I mean, that could have been it too. He's just not been built up enough to be super credible or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't hate the match. It had some like decent spots in it. Um, I don't know. Uh... It was, it's not like it was shitty. Let's talk about... It's not one I'm going to go back and watch ever again, either. Um, True. Becky and Trish. Trish won, with the help of Zoe Stark. Um, I think this is a good a good way to get somebody that you just drafted to be involved in something high-profile without being directly involved taking L's out the gate, even though she probably will take an L to Becky at some point, obviously, leading into the rematch between Trish and... Uh, Trish and Lita. I mean, Trish and uh, Becky... But it would be great. It's a great barometer to see where you're going to want to put Zoe as far as the the tiers of the women's division, right? So I think this is a fucking great move for Zoe. I think it's also a great move to not have Trish wrestle so many matches, but still be involved in a week-to-week or bi-weekly storyline as well. Yeah. Um, so that helps. And she can take a lot less bumps because Zoe will be there taking them for her. Um, right. So I, I actually liked that the way that they did that and that Trish didn't beat Becky straight up because it wouldn't have really made any sense um, since Trish hasn't won a singles match since 2000 whatever the fuck they said six or whatever the fuck it was <laughs> some crazy ass yeah. number like that well I think we even said that if she was going to win it was going to be through some kind of bullshit I think well I also said that she needed the win because if they were going to continue the storyline into SummerSlam like what was being reported that's why I was going to pick Trish and then I'd somehow I talked myself into fucking picking Becky like an idiot but but yeah Trish needed the win more but it also wouldn't have made any sense for her to beat Becky straight up based off their recent histories where Trish hasn't won a singles match in forever and Becky used to it was the fucking uh, main event of WrestleMania just a few years ago. 
Um, I thought Lynch's gear was cool. Uh, I thought Stratus looked better. Yeah, I actually has... like. I actually didn't mind the match. The match actually was a lot better than I thought it was going to be going into it. But I also have already been on record saying that Trish is currently a better wrestler right now than Lita was. So I hadn't had no idea why the fuck they had Lita be the one to win the tag titles instead. But I guess it's because they were going to do the whole Trish feud coming out of it, obviously. She did. She fucked up that one. Um, I don't remember what it was. The one where she jumps up on the rope and grabs her with the head and tries to pull her off. The neck breaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just, it was weird. But other than that, I, I thought she did a lot better than some of her other recent stuff, at least. So, um, Yeah, I mean, this wasn't bad, I guess. It wasn't great. Also, we go into Rhea giving Natalia like her uh, her new competition for top worst birthday in WWE history. Because like every Natalia birthday, she gets her ass kicked by somebody. And this one she lost in like 29 seconds, 39 seconds, some crazy shit like that. <laughs> got beat by Rhea. But in fairness to everything, on the prediction show, we said that this was the easiest one to pick. And we both literally spent less time than the actual match was somehow on discussing this match. We both looked at each other said... Yeah, Rhea's winning, on to the next one, and went to the next one. Like, that was literally our fucking prediction show for that match. So that does not shock me at all, so we can go ahead and move on from that. Asuka and Bianca. I said that this was going to be the makeup in Saudi like they did with The Fiend and Seth Rollins, and it's exactly what they did, except it was, uh, wasn't was based off a really fucking bad uh, finish like it was with the ref stoppage in a fucking Hell in a Cell match, right? So... But I thought it was very creative, the ending of that. What what did you think? There's a lot of people that didn't like it. There was a lot of people that thought it was really creative. Where where do you come out on that side of it? When she oh, spit God. into her fingers and then put it in her eyes. The big problem with it was when she originally tries the mist, it's so fucking off. Like, so there's like there's a sequence where they're they're like doing like a corner pummel kind of thing. Um Asuka tries to spit the mist and by the time she spits it, Bianca is more than halfway across the fucking ring. It didn't make any sense for her to try to do it then. So I was like, what are you doing? Like, this, It looked bad. Um, as far as the actual finish part, though, where she ends up like dipping down below the apron and putting it on her fingers or whatever the fuck. Like, I thought that was okay. I, I didn't. Uh, kayfabe, if I'm, if I'm answering your question in kayfabe only, the ref was down and didn't see her. So maybe she thought that was going to be her only chance to get this fucking shit off, even though she was a little bit further away than usual. That's the only thing I would say about that. Because the ref was down. Well, the ref, the ref had kind of been pushed to the side slightly. It wasn't like she wasn't taking a ref pump or anything. But um, it was still so far away. It didn't, it no, looked I, didn't, I didn't mean weird. down on the ground like she got knocked out. It looked weird. So she was I wasn't over. crazy about it. But uh, yeah, the um, putting it on your fingers to get it in the eyes during the KOD thing, like it was. I, I don't hate it. I mean, I'm not like, oh, it was so creative. Was so I thought it was creative. The only thing I didn't like about it was after the match when they kept showing Bianca on the outside, she had already rubbed all the blue off of her face. Mm. So you couldn't really see it. So I wish there was more blue. Like it was hurting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you couldn't even really see any more blue on her face because it was just obviously just liquid that had just touched her face or whatever. So I wish it, I wish she wouldn't have touched her face so much. I, should, I wish she would have just in like the whole thing, like put the hands beside your face type deal so you can still see the blue on it. it was just, she literally wiped it all off. <laughs> and it was like, what, what are you doing? What, what's wrong? <laughs> I mean, I get it that, like, if it was real, I'm just talking about visually. I'm not saying that there's no possible way that it could have still been in her eyes or anything. It's, but I'm just saying, visually, when you keep going back to that shot of her against the stairs and there's nothing on her face, 
it, it didn't it didn't help um selling a lot of nothing yeah but i'm very happy for oscar finally winning and it's not because i dislike bianca or anything um but there was no reason to have oscar come back with the heel character like we've been saying and hold on konami is having a really bad dream hold on give me a second uh but go ahead and talk about uh like he's making weird ass fucking noises all right give me a second uh but go ahead uh yeah you can, you can talk about that and then go back. into the gunther ali match having oscar come back do the heel character didn't really make any sense as far as having her lose it probably should have just pulled the trigger on the first night she was back um i don't think that i don't think doing the makeup salty show is really the worst decision um like you mentioned they did do the fiend thing with seth rollins before after they fucked up all the that terrible hell in the cell match and made the wrong call there so it's got precedent i guess um i'm not crazy about <sighs> i I don't mind Asuka winning, but it does seem weird to have her win right after she just took a loss. I don't really like when they do that too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it was a good match. Um, I think it was better than a WrestleMania match. I didn't think I didn't really like the WrestleMania match, honestly. Kind of sucks to have Jade and Bianca's reigns both end like in the same weekend. Um, they had they had Mercedes, Jade, and Bianca all lose in the same week. Yeah. I mean, we're low one, so still, but I mean, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. The three, like your three top African American women wrestlers, yeah. all lost in the same week. Brutal. Um, yeah, he's fine now. He was he was doing some crazy ass jumping. Now he's beside me sleeping, so it's gonna be even louder on on fucking the mic if I have it open. Looks like he, I mean, sounded like he was chasing some kind of fucking rabbit. Um, all right, Gunther, Gunther, and Ali, you were t you uh, mentioned it in passing earlier. Um about how well they did with setting that match up um, as far as making you believe that Ali actually had a shot. Um, yeah. But what do you think about the actual match, like, just in general? Like, um, That was good. I mean, yeah. they... I, I thought it was one of the better matches on the card. Um, probably the, maybe the second best match on the card. Um, just as far as... Wait, 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 wait. Who, who was the first? The tag team match? Match. Okay, alright, I'm just making sure because I was swat to fucking roast you on here. Alright, go ahead. What the fuck else would it have been? I thought you were about to say Cody and Brock and I was about to lose it. You were oh, about to get no, blocked. No, no. You were about to get one. minimized. I can't even troll on that one. That was some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that one in a second though. But no, I mean, I thought it was a really good match. I thought that, I, I think I told you, I don't remember if it was on the show or in text, but I was like, I they'll probably do it like they did Daniel Bryan Lesnar, where he's just getting fucking super dominated at the start gets like a pretty good comeback that actually makes you think he might win and then ends up losing at the end. Um, but I think this one was even less in question than the Daniel Bryan Lesnar one because Daniel Bryan was the champion at the time. So it was Lesnar. It was a Survivor Series uh, matchup because they were both the champions. I I thought this was... Uh, oh, and Danielson was heel. <laughs> so he has no problem just fucking cheating. Um, but uh, I, I like the way that they did this. I... I never really bit on any of the finishes because I was still fairly confident that Ali wasn't going to win. Um, but the... When he hits the Tornado DDT on him and, I was, and he goes up for the 450, I was like, fuck, they might actually do this and just do it like a quick swap or whatever. But then before he even jumped off, I was like, there's no fucking way they're going to do it because what's going to happen is... Uh, he's, he's, I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to end this reign for the Saudi show and then just give it back to them because they're like real hyper-focused on 
long-term lineage, whatever the fuck. And uh, I think isn't he pretty close to Honky Tonk Man's record? He's, no, he's actually. I think he's actually past Honky Tonk Man already. I think they said the only two people that he hasn't passed now are Macho Man and uh, whoever the first champion was, uh, Pedro Morales, maybe something like that. So. I I'll look it up right quick while you talk, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I'm pretty sure they had mentioned that on. With the focus that they have lately on, like, doing historical whatever the fuck that they're able to cite when they give their best of all time, current, great, uh, generational talent, whatever the fuck speech about whoever, I don't see them having him lose this before he hits some pretty major milestone with it since he's already so so close, same as Reigns in the 1,000 Days. So I was never really sold on, on Ali winning this, um, but I thought the match was great, like... If I went into it not knowing who either one of them were and the storyline behind it and how long Gunther had had the title, there were definitely some false finishes on there that I would have bitten on. So um, I think it was a really well-executed match for what it was and how predictable the finish was going into it. So, and the crowd was super into it. Um, I wasn't a, the biggest fan at the end of Gunther kind of... He was like standing tall. Okay, and you're right. Like you're right for single reign, by the way. You're right for single reign. Honky Tonk Man has the longest single reign. But I think they mentioned Pedro Morales because of combined reign. Um, so he could beat that too by just even having the one reign. So, all right. So like, like right now, Gunther is at 353 plus, right? Because he obviously he's still champ. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he could um, combine days. Pedro Morales is 617 recognized by WWE. 619 total for real. Um, the Miz is 597, 592. Morocco's 541, but Honky Tonk Man's one reign is 453. So he's still got a ways to go to beat all these other people because uh, Savage is at 413, Warrior's at 432, um, Tito's at 441. So I mean, he's he's still climbing the list, but they had they, I remember them mentioning Morales and uh, Macho Man, and I want to say um, that was for combined reigns, even though. Savage has only had it once, too, by the way. Savage and Honky Tonk Man have only had it once. Maybe they mentioned Honky Tonk isn't Savage. Maybe I got that wrong. But I swear they said Pedro Morales' name. But clearly, yeah, I agree with you that they're they're doing uh, definitely, like, hyper-focusing on fucking long reigns. And I just want to do a side note that just because you have a long reign doesn't mean it was a good reign. I, mean, I, I will always point back to Dean Ambrose's U.S. title reign as my main argument for that. It's just because you have a long reign don't mean shit. match, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, with their focus on that lately, I, I see them at least letting him beat whatever the number is that they have in mind. And then, yeah. So I wasn't really sold on him ever losing it, but it was a good match. So, okay. I don't know what you keep covering up my camera with on the stream, but you got to stop opening whatever that window is because it keeps blocking out my shit. No, you're good. I was uh, because I was looking up the other shit. I've already fixed it twice. You're good. All right. Because um, um, I have to have I have to have the Discord window open at the same time. Or it, yeah. or it fucks your shit up. But you're good. Um, so, the one we want to talk about, the best uh, one. The next thing, obviously, is the... Let's talk about this to get this Cody shit out of the way. Let's talk, let's talk about the Cody thing, because I would like to end with the main event, honestly. Because um, that was the, like you said, the best match of the night. And, obviously, finally fucking took a step in the storyline. So, um, Cody and Brock. I would like for you to explain to everyone can't. why... Can't. Why passing out in a double wrist lock doesn't make any sense? Because a lot of people on Twitter, the seven percent of the wrestling fan base, according to MJF, do not understand 
biology. So can you explain to that? Can you explain to them why that made no sense? Uh, yeah, because first of all, it's a fucking shoulder lock. It's it lock. It's it's painful on the shoulder and it's painful a little bit on the upper arm when you got that lock because it stretches out your your tricep, bicep, whatever. And um, really, the the big pain of a Kimura lock or a double wrist lock. Um, obviously, it's called a Kimura lock now because one of the guys that really popularized it was his last name was Kimura. Um, but uh, generally speaking, you just call it a Kimura lock, not a double wrist lock. Double wrist lock is more of a catch wrestling term for the exact same move. But um, you wouldn't pass out from it. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. The pressure's not even on the injured part. The man has a titanium-reinforced fucking brace, and it's not flexing or hurting his arm at all to be in that position. It was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. I have no idea who booked this or why they thought it was a good idea or why they thought it made Cody look good in any fucking way. It was the stupidest shit I have ever fucking seen when it comes to, like, trying to apply real life stuff to uh, a pro wrestling match. It was fucking terrible. It, it made no sense at all. Um, didn't make sense biologically, physiologically, kinesiologically. Like in no fucking reality does it make sense to pretend like the pain is so bad from a Kimura that you pass out as opposed to fucking tapping out on top of the fact that it wasn't even focused on the same body part that is broken for him. It doesn't apply any fucking pressure at all to this part of your arm, except for the fact that he's holding it there. And generally, he's going to be holding more down by the wrist than on the radial bone. Like, the whole thing was fucking dumb. And then even if he's gripping it with a goddamn gorilla grip hand, it still doesn't matter because the entire story of the whole match was, oh, it's a titanium-reinforced cast, so it doesn't give any flex or whatever, and it keeps the bone in place. It made no fucking sense at all that you can do a forearm smash with the fucking thing into Brock Lesnar's head and it doesn't hurt you in any way, but him grabbing the wrist of it somehow hurt you bad enough that you passed out from the pain. Anybody defending this shit is fucking stupid. Yeah, this I, was this I, was I agree the worst thing that I've ever seen. I agree. I agree because literally earlier in the match, they mention when he accidentally hits Lesnar and then realizes, hey, oh, that didn't hurt me at all, but it fucked him up. Yeah. And then he did it like five more fucking times. The only thing, the only thing that would have made sense is, and Lesnar has done this previously in matches, rip the fucking thing off his arm right. and then do the fucking move. Yep. Lesnar knows, by the way, we talk about how Wardlow was dumb in the match, the meathead in the fucking ladder match. How about the meathead in this match who literally has done this before and then <laughs> refuses to take it off to Listen. apply pressure on the actual broken arm instead of on a titanium fucking cast. How dumb are you? This one had more complicated buttons, okay? Brock no figure it out. Uh, Brock's also, strong. Brock can pull it off. It's yeah, fucking Brock, dumb. Brock, Brock's strong. Brock could have pulled it off. Also, by Here's the way, by, by the way, even... Okay, so the pass, out stay, the pass out thing still wouldn't make any sense even if he had pulled it off. But how do you already protect Cody... You already protect him by having the broken arm against Lesnar in the first place. He beat Lesnar while having that same move on him. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So now in this one, you're protected with the titanium plate and the fact that you have a broken arm. So even if you lose to Lesnar, Lesnar, it's not like you're losing to fucking Fuego Del Sol here. Your, your Lucha brother over in AEW that you tag team with all, all the time. You're going against Lesnar. You're already protected even if you're 100% healthy because Lesnar is so built up. You have a broken arm. If you pass out, I mean pass out, if you tap out immediately after he pulls it off and puts it on you, 
No one's gonna think less of fucking Cody Rhodes. No one. No one's gonna be like, oh, Cody, you're a bitch. You passed, or you tapped out because you put the Kimura lock on you and you had a fucking broken arm from Lesnar. No one's gonna be like, oh man, he sucks so bad. We need to start booing him. This actually will cause people to boo him more than what the fuck happened. This is Vince McMahon booking at the highest level. The other, the other problem with this is there are moves that would have made more sense for this uh, outside of the Kimura itself. So I understand that's Brock's thing or whatever. Um, but like, let's say he had pulled off the cast. You could put him in a fucking armbar. The armbar is still technically more pressure on the elbow joint itself, but you're still pulling back and kind of flexing the radial bone. It's against his body while he's bridging up. That would have made more sense. Like, there's a million fucking things here that would have made more sense than what they ended up doing. Kimura part doesn't make sense. It being titanium reinforced, so it's reinforced enough to not feel it when I smash it into his fucking head, but somehow it hurts when he's holding onto the wrist below it. And then the passing out part doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. Like, the booking for this was so hyper-focused on protecting Cody that it counterproductively just made him look like a fucking idiot. Uh, I don't know also what they're thinking with the the way that they're booking him with he's supposed to be this white meat baby face whatever the fuck and the way they've booked him through this whole thing has been the most chicken shit like dog shit not baby face tactics at all uh, I don't know if they're trying to if they think this makes him look like a smart face or what but having him come in from behind and, and lay out Lesnar that one night on uh, I guess it was Raw um, the way that he won the match at the pay-per-view where he just happens to like squeak by with a fucking victory because he's in a lock that he was about to tap from and Lesnar dumb somehow, even though he's done this professionally for real for a living, Lesnar too dumb to realize that his shoulders are on the mat when the fucking referee is slapping the mat right beside him. Doesn't hear that apparently. So he just gets pinned. Then you have Cody come out and pretend like, oh, I had got this dominant fucking victory and that was your fucking blood on my hands, baby. Like I, no. You look like shit. You ran away as soon as you got the bullshit pin. And now in this match, you do the the literal, uh, like, highest level heel shit from, what, like 1970, 1980? Cowboy Bob Orton fucking loaded cast bullshit. You hit him in the head with it. Also not babyface shit. Complete heel shit. Like, I don't know what they're trying to build toward with him or what they made or what they thought this made him look like. But it's just, it's not ingratiating him to anyone right now it in no way did this seem like a fucking baby face move also with the cowboy bob orton shit wasn't he like always trying to hide that he was hitting them with the cast because yes, it, was illegal? it was illegal they literally say at the beginning of every cowboy bob orton match with the cast that he's not allowed to use it he right. not only has the cast but he has it loaded and he he'll fucking fix it and like put the shit in there the entire time and he doesn't use it until the ref isn't looking because it's an illegal thing. And in this and match, I guarantee you, in the, the fucking seventies, it wasn't titanium. Okay to use. Why is this one okay to use? Why did no one say, "Hey, man, you can't use that"? The ref isn't at any point like, "Bro, that's a weapon. You got titanium in there. That's a loaded cast. We used to have this a guy that used went to do from, this. This motherfucker went from uh, titanium motorcycle accident forearm Lex Luger. By yeah. the way, another Lex Luger reference, not by design, to a whole fucking titanium arm <laughs> to use. <laughs> Tell me this man ain't about to be the next Lex Luger and fucking get booed out of the goddamn building. I'm telling you, this is not gonna work. It's so bad. And then somebody had mentioned, bro, why are y'all trying to look for realism in, in wrestling. 
Okay, so we understand that wrestling is not real. I understand that people don't actually run to the ropes or get arm dragged on a continuous right. basis, you know, shit like that. I get that. It's honestly not even solely based in realism. Yes, wrestling doesn't actually make sense, and we can break down the running of the ropes and arm drags and dives to the outside, but passing out in a double wrist lock doesn't even look possible. It doesn't even look possible when he's sitting on him. How do you pass out from that with a broken arm instead of just saying, fuck this, tap the fuck out, and I'll get the fuck out of here because this shit hurts. I have a broken arm. It's stupid. Here's, here's the problem with that, too, and the problem with the premise of that question is that Pro wrestling is not supposed to simulate like one-to-one -one realism, which is why you have things like Irish whips and whatever. But what it does is it has its own established set of tropes and like medium rules. So within this medium, within this, uh, within the context of this universe, there are things that do make sense. So Irish whips, for example, within the context of this universe, we understand they're not realist realistic outside of this universe, but it's still an established trope and something that we all adhere to and we all agree to suspend disbelief for. When you're bringing in an outside element, like a submission move from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or from catch wrestling, it doesn't make any sense to bring that in from the outside and then say, oh, well, this is actually just how it works here. Even though it's never worked here this way before, we've not established this as a trope in any fucking way, and everybody just has to believe it. It's sort of like watching, like, let's say you're watching a, a television show like fucking uh, Breaking Bad or whatever, right? Like, it's supposed to be realistic, but there are parts of it that are just realistically never going to happen. And within the bounds of that realism, we all kind of agree, like, okay, yeah, maybe he did get away this one time, and it's not really realistic, but they kind of try to make it make sense, whatever. What wouldn't make sense is if fucking Saul is sitting in his goddamn office one day and just teleports somewhere, in an instant transmission like fucking Goku, because even though the show itself is not within the bounds of realism, we have a set of established tropes for this medium where some things make sense and other ones don't. And if something just suddenly fucking happens like that, it's like, hey, this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit. It doesn't make any sense. I don't care where the fuck you got this from, what sci-fi show or what other thing you think you're pulling it from. It's not within the realm of this genre, this medium, this mode of fucking communication, this form of entertainment. So anybody saying, oh yeah, well, it's because wrestling isn't real that you can pass out from a Kamara, you're not understanding how fucking fiction works. That that's not. You can't just make up shit and say, well, it's not real. All right. Agree. Now let's move on to the main event of the evening for Night of Champions. It was the tag team title match. Sammy and KO in Saudi for the first time under WWE. Defending the titles against Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. And it went basically how we said it was going to go, right? We said yeah, that really. the Usos were going to come out, get involved, costing the titles. And then the part that we didn't realize was going to happen was that Jimmy was going Jimmy. to... Act Jimmy! Out of the <laughs> Jimmy. two. Jimmy was going to be the one. To super kick Roman not once not once twice and it was fucking great and uh so what do you think about that storyline finally making a significant step forward for the first time since Wrestlemania and uh where they go from here on out and the match in general how good it was I thought the match was great um obviously with the outside stuff is a little bit you know a little bit convoluted as soon as you saw the ref bump it's like okay we'll see what this is going um but I thought the match was good. I it wasn't that funny when Roman asked what was wrong with him, even though you just speared him. Oh, yeah, yeah he fucking the spears the ref. What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> What's wrong with yeah. this guy? Why isn't he getting up? <laughs> oh, shit. That shit's so funny, yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, he was pretty vocal throughout the match. NJF was during his, too. They were both talking a lot, like, talking, doing a lot of uh, character shit talking. Um, but, yeah, that one, that one definitely fucking made me laugh. Uh, spears the dude. 
gives him a second, hey, get up. Looks at Heyman. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? He just fucking speared him. What do you mean? Um, he's really good at that. He's also really good at, like, very, very last millisecond uh, near falls. He he did so many of those in that match where he kicked out of, like, 2 point fucking nine 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 seconds where I was like, damn, dude, like, that's... That's uh, I know your I know your eyes are open and you're looking at the ref, so you can kind of time it. But his timing on that is still really good every time. Um, I thought the match was good. I thought the story advancement in it was good. Uh, I thought the way that they did the intros was good, especially playing to the crowd the way that they did. Uh, crowd was obviously really hyped for Sammy. Uh, I thought people might say that it doesn't make sense for Jimmy to be the one that turned, but I think it makes the most sense for Jimmy to be the one that turned. Because, A, it sets him... Here's the problem with Jimmy, is that throughout this whole thing, he's always kind of seemed like a background character. And this does a good job setting him apart from Jay in a way that's important to the story as opposed to him just kind of being a tag-along to whichever fucking side. Um, having him be the one that turned, I think, does a lot for him and his character and sort of makes him his own separate entity in a way that wasn't really happening before, which a lot of, uh, like, twins or brother tag teams or whatever actually... Do have a lot of issue with uh so i think this was probably the best move for everyone's character development it keeps jay being the conflicted one it makes sense for jimmy's backstory where jimmy getting uh caught in that fucking um submission by roman way back when was what got jay to lose the i quit match like all the way back when when they were very first starting the bloodline stuff so there's good um there's good continuity to it um the him him loudly saying like oh yeah like this is what you should have done a long time ago i'm gonna do it for you like you're my brother you're not he's not my brother why are we letting him blah 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 like all that shit all totally made sense um i i probably would have thought going into it that it would be jay doing being the one that doing the turn but i actually prefer the way that they ended up booking it which was to have jimmy do it i thought that was a good idea um and uh ko and and sammy retaining obviously is what makes the most sense going forward for them kind of being able to say you know we we took out uh, Roman and Solo, so we can kind of wrap that up neatly with a bow and let the, the bloodline collapse on its own and let that play out on its own. He can still do whatever he wants to do with kind of helping Jay along or helping Jay out as Jay figures out his own issues with Roman and has that little conflict and maybe, you know, allying, allying with them to some extent before the Usos eventually come back for the tag team titles. Um, so there's a lot they can do out of this. I thought that this was as... It was... Um, there are a few different ways to do it, and I thought this was as interesting a way as any of the ones that I would have come up with. So, I like it a lot. Part of the Jimmy thing turning instead of Jay is the fact that if you actually look at it on the surface, Jay was the first one that didn't want to go, right? That was the mm -hmm. whole setup to the whole thing is everybody bowed to the tribal chief. Jay didn't want to go, and main event Jay Uso came out. Jimmy went. But Jimmy was only went because he was trying to be the positive person. But Jimmy was never anybody's bitch. In fact, he had a shirt that said nobody's bitch on it, right? He was just playing the game. He didn't actually fucking turn until somebody fucked with him. See, the reason he didn't turn before is because the issue was always between Jay and Roman. But when he started getting fucking pushed in the face too, these last few weeks on SmackDown, and called out and saying that I don't want you out here and shit after all the shit that Jay did for him by getting, uh, that Jimmy did for him by getting Jay to actually eventually join up and all this other shit and trying to keep him in line and stuff like that. He fucking had no issue with fucking snapping. Like, no, I'm tired. I'm not going to take what Jay took. I'm not going to take what Sammy took. Shit like that. Like, you're not going to do that shit to me. So I think it actually worked out 
perfectly because Jimmy was never uh, really conflicted until fucking like he really isn't still conflicted. Like he was he was fine with being with you, and then as soon as you fucking overstepped your boundaries, he was fine with fucking cutting you out as fast as possible. He didn't sit there and take months worth of bullshit like the Jey Uso did or like the Sami Zayn did. So I think I thought it worked out perfectly for him to be the one that's like, you know what? Fuck it. You were right. You should have done this long time ago. He fucked with me too. I'm done. Because he was trying to be Peacekeeper the whole time. And then it was like, well, now you're fucking around with the Peacekeeper and shoving the Peacekeeper in the face. And now it's like, well, okay. All right. Fuck you then. I thought it worked yeah. out perfectly. Yeah. Um, I was... I was pleasantly surprised with the way that this turned out because there were a lot of ways they could have made it too convoluted or fucked it up, but the way they ended up looking it was great. So. Alright, so overall grade for Knight of Champions. Um, the Bianca Asuka match was good. Ali and Gunther were good. I could have... The Seth and AJ match didn't hit like we wanted it to, but it's not like it was bad. Brock and fucking Cody drag it down so much, man. That match just, I, I, you could tell, obviously, from the way that I got a little bit animated when I was talking about it. That match. <laughs> it was so fucking stupid. It, so when we talked about Double or Nothing, one of the things that I said was like, none of the matches were so bad that it really dragged down the story. At, at worst, you could say the Cole and Jericho one was kind of flat. But I feel like this dragged it down a lot. Um, and especially right before the main event. Um, the Rhea squash match was pretty unnecessary. I, I don't understand why they really even had that match, except for to have Natalia go over there. But then to have her go over there and just lose a fucking squash match seems like a weird I actually reward. preferred that. I actually preferred the squash match. I thought it made more sense. There was not enough buildup for Natalia to just come out there and have a shot against Rhea Ripley because you came out and saved somebody that you don't even have any connection with prior anyway. I agree, but then the answer is to not make it Natalia. Like, but anybody, but I'm saying anybody in that spot wouldn't have made any. Like, it should have all been squashed. It doesn't make no one's gonna just show up randomly against Rhea and fucking beat her without some kind of fucking build up to put some kind of doubt in her mind. Rhea's on such a high right now, as far as a pedestal, as far as a women's champion. No one can just come in and fucking be there for a two week fucking feud and beat her. No one. So it would have been. I would have been okay with a squash from pretty much the entire roster. Outside of your Charlotte. Yeah. And outside of Charlotte and fuck uh, Bailey, Ronda, a thirty second, a thirty second EO, a thirty second fucking squash. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying Bianca and Oscar because they were already involved in another match, but obviously they would be in that conversation as well. But everybody else, like that's what it should have been. So I'm, I don't have a problem with it. It just seems weird to have Zelina Vega have such a competitive match, but then have Natalia go out and get squashed. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's because Rhea was fucking uh, underestimating her and whatever. Um, also, that was it. Wasn't like Natalia was in Canada, by the way. Alexa Bliss, maybe. Like there. Yeah, I don't I mean, know what the fuck she can... is. I don't know if she's hurt again or what. I don't know what's yeah. going on with that shit. But I feel like there are people you could have had at least like an eight-minute match with. You know. I don't know. Um, Maybe they didn't want to do it because you know, it was so funny because everybody was like, oh, yeah, uh, Night of Champions has three women's matches and AEW only has two. And then did they really have three, though, when it was a 30-second match? No, they didn't. So maybe they just were like, oh, we're capped out on time for women's matches. We're just going to make this one a squash. But this is also the, possible. The Tony Hater one wasn't really like a 
like a match match. You know what I mean? Not in the traditional sense of the word. No, I agree, but I'm saying this was before they went into these two shows. Yeah. Um, it was still a lot longer than 39 mm -hmm. seconds. Yeah, that's true. I... If I had to give the whole thing a grade, I'd probably say like a C plus. I think the the last match was good, but it was it was more good because you, you just wanted to see how... It wasn't like the match itself was crazy. The advancement of the Bloodlines storyline in it was good. The match had good parts, but it wasn't like... It's not a match I'll go back and rewatch for the match, if that makes sense. Um, same with the Rollins and Styles thing. Like, I didn't hate it, but it's not something I'll go back and watch. The Cody thing dragged down so much. Uh, Asuka and Bianca was good. Ali and Gunther were good. You know when I would watch... You know what? I, I don't think I would watch any of these over again. Maybe Asuka, Bianca. But there is one I would rewatch if we did the idea that you came up with for streaming services for wrestling. And that is the tag team match. So if they did the thing where they who have the storylines and it's all the big bullet points of the storyline and you're watching them all in order because you want to catch up and just watch the entire storyline over again. And that yeah. match is obviously a pivotal part of that because of what happened afterwards. That's when I would watch it again. And I'd be okay yeah. with it. I'd be like, yeah, oh yeah, I, would, I definitely want to watch that again. But literally by itself going back and watching it? No, I probably wouldn't watch it again. And if not for the, the Usos turn spot as a match, like it wasn't bad. It was an okay match. But it wasn't you know, it wasn't like the Four Pillars match or anything like that, where it's like literally just the wrestling that put it so head and shoulders above everything else before it on the card. Yeah, because um, I mean, if it wasn't for the Usos interfering, they probably wouldn't have won the match. Yeah, I mean, even then, like, it, it, even if they found a way to book it where they won the match, like, it's still just... The wrestling in it wasn't bad. Like, it was it was a good wrestling match. It just wasn't anything, like, crazy standout, whatever. Um, All right, I, I agree with you. C, I, I'd give it a C plus, too. C plus is fine with me. Hey guys, did you like that video? If so, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can also catch full episodes of the MonsterCast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And you can also catch us live every Sunday on Twitch. All links in the description below, along with some sweet merch from yours truly, the MonsterCast. Deuces.